Good morning, Arbor. How are we doing this morning? Great. Great. Glad to hear it. Hey, I thought I'd start off with a little history lesson this morning, a little show and tell. Uh, for those of you who are 40 years old or older like myself, this will be a review. But for those of you who are younger than 40 years old, I think it might be time for you to actually pull out your phone. You might want to take a picture of this. This is like seeing a dinosaur. This is huge, so be prepared. I want to show you something that was around during my time and my age. It's what's called a cassette. All right? We used to use these little things to play music. I actually had to work really hard to find one, to be quite honest with you. Um, and, I, and I can't even play it because I got nothing to play it on. Uh, but here's the deal. These things were the way that we listened to music in my day and age. This was how you heard songs. This was it. And there are some negatives and there are some positives about the cassette. Some of the negatives are this, is if you lose it, if you drop it, if you break it, you cannot download another one. There's no opportunity like that. This is all there is. Uh, they were temperamental. So when you would put them in your machine, how many of you had a player that actually would eat the tape? Doesn't that stink? It would eat the tape. So what you ended up doing is you would, you would, like, you would like warble, you know, like, like, and you're like, oh my gosh, no. And then you'd have to go get it, and it would stop, and you'd pull it out, and then the tape would be stuck in, right? And so you'd have to take the tape out, gently get it out, because you couldn't get another one. And so then what at that point, you had to turn it with a pencil. Do you remember that? Just pulling it down, turning it with a pencil, pulling it down, pulling a pencil, and then you would always finish it off the same, right? That little pinky turn right there. Make sure you got it. Just perfect. There were bad things about the cassette, but there was one great thing, one amazing thing. Mixed tapes, people. <laughs> Mixed tapes. This is how you communicated love when you couldn't communicate. You had something that you wanted to say in junior high or in high school to the person that you were attracted to. You didn't know. You didn't have the courage or the, 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 the ability to go up and say what you wanted to say so you could put it in a song. You could put it in a mixtape, and you would. And you would write the titles on the outside, and then you would give it to them. They'd go and listen. And, and I would do this too, right? So I would, and my plan was always to start a little bit slow. I would, I would play a song like Joe Cocker, you, um, You're So Beautiful to Me right? And that'd be the first song on the list. You're so beautiful to me. And she'd hear it and she'd be like, oh, he thinks I'm beautiful. And then I'd throw in a slight suggestion of the Beatles. I want to hold your hand, right? I just, I just want to hold your hand. And then I'd get real heavy and I'd be like, Elvis, I can't stop falling in love with you. I can't stop falling in love with you. And then I'd play a little bit of country, which, like, which was simply, are you going to kiss me or not? You know? And hopefully she would, but you were trying to communicate a message to someone that you wanted to share your feelings with. And the Psalms, a series we're starting today, literally means, the word Psalm literally means poems or poems with music accompaniment. Poems with music accompaniment. In other words, they were songs. And God knew that we would not have adequate words to accurately communicate what we were feeling, our love for him, even our frustration. We didn't know how to communicate it. And so he gave us this beautiful gift that is about smack dab in the middle of your Bible called the Psalms to help us express what we really, really, really want to say. The Psalms are simply this. They're simply God's word given to us 
to pray, say, or sing back to him. Think about that. God has literally given us his words to pray, say, and, think, and, and, and sing back to him in the book of the Psalms. And so many people retreat to the Psalms. Many people, it's their favorite book, and they go there to find inspiration and encouragement and hope. And the reason that they do is because you can relate to the Psalms. It is like real, real life. At some point, some of the psalmists are, are just, they're just exploding with excitement. And there is joy and there is enthusiasm and there's worship and there's love for God. And then all of a sudden, in the next moment, they are crying out in agony and in pain. And they're saying, God, where the heck are you? Are you going to show up? They even express anger throughout the psalms. They are very honest, the Psalms. I love that. I love the honesty. It's just raw. And that's where we do life. And so today, we're starting a new series that will last for the remainder of the summer. And what we're going to do is we're going to bounce around this beautiful book of the Psalms. So let me give you a quick breakdown of what they are. First and foremost, there's 150 Psalms. About half of them were penned, written, authored by David, King David. One-third of them, was we actually don't know who wrote them. They're still anonymous. 45% of the psalms are psalms of praise, adoration, worship to God. Another 45%, surprisingly, are lament. Psalms of lament, pain, struggle, heartache. 10%, the remaining 10% that there, that's a mixture of different types of psalms. There's psalms of wisdom, psalms of thanksgiving, uh, royal psalms, which are psalms that were sung to kings and dignitaries. But all the psalms are Hebrew poetry. And if you look at that and you read through, you're like, well, Jake, they don't rhyme. Okay, well, they don't rhyme in our language, but the themes and the ideas and the concepts, they do. And because it's poetic, they should not only be read with our minds, they should be read with our hearts. It not only touches our intellect, it also, when you go through the Psalms, they touch your emotions. And so they are God's word given to us to pray, say, and sing back to him. And the reason I want to go through this at this point in time is this. Summer is crazy. We are go, going, going. The sun comes out and we head out. And we're doing lots of things and we're scattered inside of our minds. And so my hope is this, is that we could use the Psalms this summer to help connect our hearts to God. I want our hearts to be connected to God. And so we're going to walk through the Psalms throughout the rest of the summer. Today what I want to do is I want to begin with the end. I want to start with the very last Psalm, the 150th Psalm. It is only six verses but it is all about praise, praise, praise. That's what we're going to be talking about. The theme of the 150th Psalm is praise. But instead of just simply reading it out to you today, what I'd like to do is I'd like you to watch this through the background of God's beautiful creation. Take a look. Praise. Praise the Lord. I heard a story recently, and maybe you have heard this story before, but I heard it for the first time this week uh, and loved it. It's the story of a preacher uh, who was selling a horse, and there was this guy who came to buy the horse, and it was a strong horse. It was a good horse, and this was a while back, and he came, and he, they set the price 
for the horse. And, and the guy bought it, and he's about ready to take it home, and the preacher remembered, oh, I got to tell him this one thing. And he said that the horse does not respond to normal commands. So if you tell this horse, whoa, it's not going to stop, right? It's not going to stop. You need to say amen, right? You say amen, and it'll stop. If you want it to go, you don't say giddy up. You actually say praise the Lord. And you say, praise the Lord, and the horse will, you know, it'll start going. And so the guy's like, okay, thanks. Thanks for that info. And so he got on the horse. He mounted the horse, and they, they, they did the transaction. And then he, he was on there, and he just simply said, in a soft voice, praise the Lord. Horse started to walk, started to go. He said goodbye to the preacher. And on his way out, he's heading home. It was a beautiful day, beautiful day. And he comes across this field, and all of a sudden, a jackrabbit jumps out from the woods and runs across the horse's path and freaks the horse out. So all of a sudden, this guy finds himself in a gallop. And not only a gallop, he is headed straight for a 200-foot ravine, a 200-foot cliff. And he is freaking out. He did not remember what the preacher said. And so he's saying, whoa, and he's pulling back on the reins and the horse is doing nothing. He's like, whoa, whoa, and freaking out, knowing what's about ready to happen, the guy prayed. Like, he, he prayed and he said, Lord, please help me, help me now, help me, help me, amen. And as he said amen, the horse stopped all of a sudden, inches from the 200-foot drop. And he is out of breath. He is exhausted. And he's like, oh my goodness, praise the Lord. <laughs> that is the best dad joke I have ever heard in my life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is a phrase that when I became a young believer that I heard people say over and over again, and I found myself starting to cringe when I went to the church. Praise the Lord, because they say it like punctuation. Ah, I got a new car today. Praise the Lord. You know, and the next thing you say, oh man, I got a cup of coffee. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I just felt like, ah, oh, it's just, you know, it's not that I don't like the phrase, praise the Lord. I just, I wanted it to have some sincerity to it. And they said it like punctuation. And I couldn't figure that out until I started studying scripture. And I realized that the phrase praise the Lord is all throughout this book. It is all over the place. In fact, Psalm 150 that we're talking about today, it begins with the phrase praise the Lord. And it ends with the phrase, praise the Lord. It is bookended in that psalm. Not only that psalm, but Psalm 146, Psalm 147, Psalm 148, Psalm 149, and Psalm 150 all begin and end with the phrase, praise the Lord. The 150th psalm has praise all over it. It's only six verses but it is mentioned, the word praise, 13 times. It's virtually in every single line. Praise is mentioned 307 times throughout God's word. It is central, and it is essential to the life of the believer. It is universal, too. You could go to a foreign country, and you would not understand the language that's going on, but you can sit, if you've ever done this on a mission trip, in a praise and worship service, and you feel connected, right? And then there's one word that always pops up that you, you seem to know. Like they'll say something in their other language and then you'll hear the word alleluia. And you're like, ah, I know that word. Well, do you know what that word means? It's actually two words. It's two words in Hebrew that mean praise the Lord. So when you say the word alleluia, you are saying praise the Lord or praise be to the Lord. 
And so what I want to do today, using Psalm 50 as our background, is I want to give you a picture of praise. In fact, more specifically, I'd like to give you the framework of praise. Psalm 150 answers four questions. It has four sides. It answers the question of who should we praise, where should we praise, how we should praise, and why we should praise. And so what I want to do is I want to go through all of those questions, the who, the where, the why, and the how. So let's start with the who. And the who is pretty obvious. You know, to to an English teacher, to whom are we to praise? It's obvious, but let me read the entire psalm in its entirety, and I'll give it a little bit of emphasis. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the blast of a horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the flute. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise who? The Lord. And then the psalmist caps it off with praise the Lord. So he makes it pretty clear who we are to praise. We are to praise the Lord. We are to praise God. We are to praise him. God deserves and not only deserves He desires our praise exclusively, without competition. He wants all of our praise, all of it. It's interesting, in the Ten Commandments, about halfway through, there's this controversial word that God used to describe himself that oftentimes people think that we as preachers should explain away or apologize for. God calls himself a jealous God. You ever seen that in there? I am a jealous God, and we're supposed to talk around that or not actually say that phrase because it's offensive and why would God be a jealous God? But in relationship, you guys, jealousy can be a very good thing. Think about it. Husbands, if you're married and some other guy comes up to your wife and asks her out on a date while you're standing there, I hope you have a feeling of jealousy that comes over you where you say, excuse me, uh, she is exclusively mine exclusively, because you've never had anyone come up to you and say, hey, how's our wife doing? You know, you haven't had that. And if you do, we probably should talk afterwards. Because it's exclusive, right? Jealousy under the umbrella of relationship can be a very good thing. The Bible actually says we are the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. That he truly rescued us for him and to him we have singular devotion that our praise should not go to anybody else it should go straight to him it belongs to him jesus is to get our total and complete admiration god himself talks about this through the prophet isaiah here's what he says and i love this phrase i am the lord and that is my name right It's almost like attitude right there. I am the Lord, and that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. God doesn't want us to praise idols. He doesn't want us to praise saints. He doesn't want us to praise 
pastors or movie stars or anything that you see on TV. He doesn't want us to praise anything except for him. He and he alone is the one to whom all praise is to be directed. He wants it all. He not only deserves it, he desires it to have our exclusive praise. That's the part where you say amen. Right there. There you go. Good work. And that answers the who question. Who are we to praise? The Lord. Praise the Lord. Now let's talk about the where question. Where are we to praise? Um, Where is praise supposed to take place? The psalmist mentions two places in particular in verse 1. Number one, he says, praise God in his sanctuary and praise him in his mighty firmament. So let's start with the sanctuary, in God's sanctuary. Any ideas? Anyone? What the psalmist is specifically referring to. What is he, where is he specifically referring to? Anybody have an idea? There you go. The temple. He is referring to the temple, to the Jewish temple. That would have been their context. It was the place on earth where God's presence rested. It was the place on earth where people went to praise and to sacrifice and offer sacrifices of praise. Unfortunately, the temple, and actually really fortunately, the temple no longer exists. In 70 AD, it burned down. It was destroyed. And now we are the temple in which God resides through the Holy Spirit. And so we come to this place on a weekly basis, right? We come here on Sundays, and we sit here, and we walk through a service in a place, in a room that we call what? The sanctuary. And we direct our praise on purpose towards him in this room. This building, you guys, was built in 1973. It was before I was born. And it obviously (laughs) was not designed for a church. We have retrofitted a church inside of here on the second floor, which is crazy. In fact, in some of our rooms, one of them used to be a little soccer arena, and the other one used to be a CrossFit. And so this place was not set out from the beginning of time or even from its foundation as a place of worship or a place of praise. But two and a half years ago, well, you know what's interesting is we came to this place, God led us to this place, and we decided to dedicate it as a house of praise, a sanctuary of praise. What I think is so cool, and most of you guys don't know this, but on these actual walls right up here, this wall, that wall, and that wall, we had people write down verses and prayers and psalms and praise, and then we painted over them right over there, on that wall right there. In the very foundation of when we dedicated this thing, this thing was meant to be a place. It was set aside for us to praise God here. There's nothing magical about it. It is simply a structure on earth where we come to lift our praise to God, a holy God in whom we love. So the sanctuary that that the psalmist is referring to in here is literally a place on earth. It's praise on earth. That's what it represents. The second place that it refers to is in God's mighty firmament, which literally translates to the expanse of heaven. Friends, one day you're going to pass through the veil of death. You are. And on that day and in that moment, you are going to be more alive than you have ever been in your entire life. 
you will be more awake and more ready to praise. Heaven is going to be the greatest praise event that we have ever experienced. Think of a concert that you have been to, whether it be Garth Brooks or, you know, I don't know, anybody. Taylor Swift, if you go to those things. I'm trying to think of big concerts. You too? There you go. That's a little bit better. But big concerts where you're like, oh my gosh, the energy is huge. This is incredible. Times that by infinity, and that will be what heaven is like. Generation after generation after generation will be there. You'll have all the worship leaders. David Crowder will be right next to King David, and it'll be amazing. Some of you don't even know who David Crowder is, and that's sad. Super sad. Heaven is going to be the greatest praise event that we have ever experienced. John, the apostle, actually wrote about it. He said this, he says, Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and elders. And they shouted to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Here is my point. The answer to the question where is number one in his sanctuary, that's earth. Number two is in his firmament, that's heaven. So it's in heaven and earth, in heaven and on earth. Basically, that covers everywhere. So where are we to praise God? Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Jesus alluded to this himself. He said this when he taught us how to pray. He said, our father who lives in heaven, hallowed be your name. One time, <laughs> When I was doing youth ministry, I had a student read that out loud, and, and they actually read the prayer, Our Father who lives in heather, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Which I thought was weird that he called God a fish, but hallowed actually means great and revered um, to be praised. That's what hallowed means. And so hallowed be your name, praised be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. So basically, everywhere. So when we praise God here on earth, in this place, right now, right here, we are mirroring the one activity that is being done inside of heaven. And when we praise the Lord, his will is being done right here on earth as it is being done in heaven. Friends, when we get to heaven, one of our eternal occupations is going to be praise. We're not going to be doing that. Churches, heaven is not going to be one eternal worship service. Some of you are like, thank goodness, because I wouldn't look forward to that, right? But it's not going to be one huge service, but there is going to be a time of prayer and our praise, and we're going to praise, 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 praise. It's part of our occupation is to praise him. So why not get a little practice in before we come to the show? Why not practice praising him here on earth? earth. I think we should. Let me, let me shoot straight with you. And I'll probably get some comments on the connection card for this, but here we go. This, right here, is not an appropriate response to worship. You can do this in front of your computer. Hands in the pockets, saying nothing, looking around. If you know Jesus, and you are a follower of his, 
when we come to this place and music is played and we are lifting praise to him, you engage. And if you're just getting to know Jesus and you're like, I'm weirded out by that, that's fine, I get that. But if you are a follower of him and you have dedicated your life, we cannot sit with hands in pockets when God is being worshiped. We engage. Well, I don't feel like it. Guess what? Worship isn't about how you feel. I don't like that song. So what? It's praising God. It's lifting him up. We engage on that. My dear friend, who was here, and I've talked about this before, and he was here last service, so I can make fun of him again. Um, Dave Kelly is my mentor. He is the worst singer I have ever met in my life. And, and, and again, you're like, oh, Jake, that is harsh. No, you should listen to him. That's harsh. Uh, that's really, really harsh. He's got one note, you guys, and it is flat all day long. And it's, it's amazing. And so um, you're like, I don't have a good voice. I don't want to sing. I don't want to sing out loud. You know what I love about Dave? I mean, I love this about him. I love it. He sings so loud and so bad all at the same time to praise God with all his heart. I am honored to stand next to that man in worship. He throws me off key all the time, but I love standing next to him, and I pity his wife for that deal, but at the same time, she even said something to me between services. She's like, you don't have to stand next to him every week. It's really hard, and I'm like, I know, and you know what's funny? He even told me between services that I'm not the only preacher from the stage to mention his bad singing voice. <laughs> That's how bad it is. But the guy loves Jesus with all his guts, and he belts it out, and I love it. And you know who else loves it? God loves it. And so when we approach this place, this is not an appropriate stance. We are to engage and go after him, whether we feel like it whether or not, whether we can sing or not. We are to praise God because we have this opportunity on earth. Some of you guys are thinking, well, I, I mean, I think of some of these guys, like you big men, like, I just, it's too much. It's too, it's too soft. I'm not soft. I don't get excited about a whole entire thing. So you stand there. But I have seen you watch a football game, you know, and you'll go nuts for a Seahawks team that you've never met. And yet you have a personal relationship with Jesus and you don't want to get anywhere excited about it. I'm just telling you, I'm telling you. We got to engage. We got to engage. And so that is the where. Let's talk about the why. The, the, the third part here. Why should praise occur? The psalmist says, and he gives us two reasons. He says, praise him in, for his mighty acts. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. We are to praise God for what he does, number one, and to praise God for who he is, no matter what he does. We are to praise God for what he does, number one, his mighty acts, and we are to praise God for who he is, no matter what he does. That is his surpassing greatness. And so let's look at the first one, what he does, his mighty acts. One of the greatest acts that God has ever done is the act of creation. And viewing it, it should lead us to a place of praising the Lord when we look at his beautiful creation. This last week, or actually this weekend, um, I was doing yard work with the family, and at one point in time, I actually laid down on the ground with my kids, Percy and Paisley, and we were looking up at a tree and all the beauty of the leaves 
from the, from the bottom side. You don't normally see that. You don't just sit there and look up. And then we started looking at the clouds and we started to play a game and we started to play name what that cloud looks like. And, and Percy was naming the clouds and almost every one of them was a monster or a sword um, was, was all he was doing. But then Paisley and I saw this one cloud and you're like, I'm like, what does that look like? And Paisley goes, it looks like a lady in a canoe with her hair flowing in the wind. And it did. It was amazing. I'm like, that's a picture perfect of a picture of a lady that is like rowing and it's a cloud and it was magnificent. And God gave us that, that little moment of bonding. It was so cool. And the next day she's like, do you remember the lady in the canoe on the cloud? I'm like, yes, it was so cool. God's creation is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It, it, it should cause us, as King David says right here, it says, let the, um, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The intricacies of creation help us to appreciate the immensity of a creator. Truly does. When we look upward, it should cause us to say, praise the Lord. When we look at the skies, when we look at the clouds, praise the Lord. When we look inwards, it should also cause us to praise the Lord. Let me explain. Here's what David said. He says, I praise you. Why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The human body is insane. So amazing. Did you know that the human body has average of three tri- yeah, three, 30 trillion cells? 30 trillion cells. And in each one of those, in a single cell, there's a DNA molecule that has the blueprint that tells that cell what it needs to do from the moment it is born to the moment it is gone. There's a blueprint. It's the DNA molecule. Now, if you were to translate one DNA molecule from one cell, and you were to take all the information, all the data, all the material, and you were to put it in written form, it would fill up 4,000 volumes, books. If you were to type it out, write it out. That basically give you an idea, it would fill the whole stage and part of this room. If you were to translate all the DNA data, the material, in an entire body, so 300 or 30 trillion cells, it would fill up the books would fill up the Grand Canyon 40 times over. That's how intricate, that's how amazing, that's how beautiful our God is. When we look up, we should be amazed and we should say, praise the Lord. When we look inward, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We should say, praise the Lord. And you want to know, this is interesting, you know what the craziest thing is? Is that creation is not even the greatest act that God has ever done. That's just creation. The greatest act that God has ever done is redemption. It is Jesus leaving his throne for us, a place of comfort to come down here and give his life on a cross so that we could have life and life to the full. It is the gospel. It is the good news. It's why we celebrate Easter. It's why we're here right now. It's why we follow Jesus is because of his great redemption plan. And he made a way when there was no way possible. And because of that, we should say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He loved us enough to come down and care for us and find a way so that we can be in right relationship with him for how long? Oh, eternity. 
eternity. No wonder Paul said, thanks be to God. Praise be to God for his indescribable gift. When we praise God, we praise him for what he does and for who he is, no matter what he does. We praise him for who he is. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Please hear this. I understand that sometimes we get so consumed with the weight of the world and the weight of the struggles and the problems that we have on our shoulders that we can forget the mighty acts of God. That we can forget the great things he's done like creation and redemption. And that can leave our mind because we're worried and we're consumed by the pain or the loss or the struggle. But friends, it's in those moments that you lean in to the second reason. We praise God for who he is, no matter what we're experiencing. That's what we do. We lean in in those moments and we praise him for his attributes, for his faithfulness, for his grace, and for his love. And when we declare praise, we are declaring value of God regardless of what we are experiencing. We praise God not so that we feel good. We praise God because he deserves it. We praise God because he's God. That's why we do it. In Africa, there is this thing called a taste berry. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's also called the miracle fruit. It's kind of a miracle. I've, I, I'd never heard of it before. But apparently you can go and you could take a bite of one of these berries and you can eat a little bit. And, what, and they taste pleasant and they taste sweet. But what's amazing and, and, and almost miraculous about these berries is that whatever you eat afterwards, I guess for up to an hour, tastes pleasant and sweet as well. Right? There are some restaurants that I have eaten at uh, that could really use some taste berries. <laughs> You could have sour fruit and you would still taste pleasant to you. It's amazing. Praise is the taste berry of the Christian life. Let me explain. I'm meaning this, that when we make a declaration of praise, no matter how we feel or what we're going through, it takes our sorrow and makes it almost pleasant. Or at least it makes it palatable. We praise no matter what we feel like. Why? Because of who he is. Who do we praise? We praise the Lord. Where do we praise? We praise him on earth and in heaven. That's everywhere. Why do we praise? We praise him for his mighty acts and we praise him for who he is. And lastly, how do we praise? How do we express praise? Let me read verse three. It says, praise him with the blast of a horn. Praise him with the lyre and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the flute. Praise him with the, that must be a misprint right there because it says the word loud and I don't think you're allowed to have loud music in church. At least that's what the connection cards tell me. And so I apologize, but I'm just gonna read it because it's inside of the Bible. Uh, <laughs> praise him with the loud symbols. Again, apologize. Praise him with the oh, crashing symbols. Gosh, this is ridiculous. I know I'm going to get connection cards today. <laughs> Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. God answers the question how in two ways. One, with instruments man has made. With instruments that man has made. Um, he actually devotes three verses to a list of about eight instruments. And I'm not going to go through and explain what they are, or how they're made, or how that they work, although that would be interesting. It is not the most important. What is the most important is this, is that music plays a huge part in the proclamation of praise. And God has a thing for music. He does. He loves music. He loves good music. He loves country music. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> he is a fan of music. He loves it. It's all throughout the Bible. He even has an entire book of the Bible with 150 songs in it. Paul touches on a couple of those at times. He says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord with what? Thankful hearts. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. So at church and making music, making music to the Lord. Martin Luther, some of you know who he is. Some of you would know, and if you do know, you probably are familiar with the fact that he is a great reformer and a great author. But did you know that Martin Luther also was a lover of music and had a great appreciation for music. He actually wrote songs, worship songs, and I'm told he even played an instrument. Here's what he wrote about music in correlation to praise. He had this to say. He said, next to theology, I give music, or I give to music the highest place of honor. Music is the art of the prophets the only art that can calm the agitations of the soul. It is one of the most magnificent and delightful presents God has given us. And then he gets a little bit spiteful here. It's interesting. He says, if any man despises music as all fanatics do, for him, I have no liking. <laughs> for music is a gift and grace of God, not an invention of men. Thus, it drives out the devil and makes people cheerful. Then one forgets all wrath, impurity, and other devices. Music is powerful. I do not have to tell you that. You know that there is power in a song. God intended it that way. It is like a time machine. You can be sitting in your car, and a song comes on the radio that you haven't heard for years and it will take you back to that place. In fact, in a way, it will almost cause you to feel the same emotions that you felt at the time when you first heard that song. These days, Switchfoot, I, I've always loved Switchfoot throughout the years. It's just a Christian band. And, uh, and, and, and they had an album come out that was like right when I got married. And so on our honeymoon, my wife and I went out and the album was called uh, Nothing Is Sound. And so anytime I hear a song from Switchfoot, like Stars. I hear that song, I'm like, oh my gosh. That was like when I was walking on the beach with my wife. It just takes me right there, back there. Um, happy is a yuppie word. I remember driving and listening to that on our way to, um, to get dinner on our honeymoon. It was amazing. Uh, they have a song on there that's also called We Are One Tonight. It must have been providential for them actually putting that together on our honeymoon, but there you go. It was amazing. But the music takes you and puts you into a place and transports you in time and pushes emotions back to you that you have forgotten. And God sometimes wants you to remember the connection that you had and he uses music as a tool to do that. Music is powerful. 
And it's one of the ways that we are to praise the Lord. With instruments man has made. And the second part there, with breath God has given. With breath God has given. That last verse of Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath, it's a powerful verse, says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Another way to say that is praise God in any and by all means possible. So if you can play an instrument, do it. Play an instrument for God and praise him. But if you can't, sing. Use your voice. If you can't sing, clap your hands. Stomp your feet. If you can't even do that, just go. <sighs> Give him your breath. It's actually the highest thing you can do with your breath is to praise God. Just, that's all I can do. I'm going to give it to you, God. First row is like, you should have had a mint, right? <laughs> My son and daughter, Paisley and Percy, I, I sat, I talked about them a little bit in the, in the field or in our, in our yard this last week. They both sing. We all sing around the house. Uh, Paisley is a very good singer. I don't know what it is. She naturally was born with the ability to sing. We have no idea where she learned to yodel. She just watched it on YouTube and then all of a sudden picked it up. I can't do it. Not for the life of me, but she's figured it out. In fact, I'm not even joking about this. I got an email this week from um, ABC that asked if she would come and try out for um, uh, Kids Say the Darndest Things. They're doing like a talent thing. We're not, it's in California. We can't do it, but we're just like, she got asked to do that. She can sing. It's amazing and she loves to sing, and she's so good at it. And when I hear her voice, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my girl, <laughs> right? She sings all the time. Percy sings as well. Just not as good. Just not as good at all. I mean, he's not as bad as Dave, all right? Don't get me wrong. Um, but he, he doesn't sing that well, and, and, he, and he tries, but he can't hit the right notes. My daughter was naturally born knowing where the notes should go. That's not his gifting. And he'll listen to this later and be angry with me, and that's totally okay. But it's true. But when he sings in his bed, and he sings this little light of mine, and he sings sunshine, and he sings Winnie the Pooh, which we sing that song when we go to bed, and he sings, I love you, Lord, holy cow, it melts my heart. And his voice, I don't care what it sounds like, right? It's beautiful to me. And whether you can sing or you just make a noise, it's beautiful to God because it's with the right heart and you're connecting your heart to his and that's what he loves and that's what he wants. He wants each of us to use our breath, breath for the highest use, which is praise. We are to praise the Lord. We are to praise the Lord. I will end with this story. I've recently been watching... Uh, I watched a show on Netflix, I don't know, maybe you've seen it, a documentary on the circus. It's pretty interesting. I had never seen it. It was very fascinating, the history of the circus and how it's come about. And then I heard this story about a kid who wanted to go to the circus with all his heart. He wanted to go. He'd never seen it before. They lived out in the country, and the circus traveled around, and they heard they were going to be in town, and he's missed it all this time, but now he wanted to go. So he says, Dad, can I please go to the circus? Can I please go? And the dad said, you may go if you get all your chores done. And so he got up early that day and he got all of his chores done. This little kid did it and he's like, I did it, I got it done. And so the dad gave him a dollar 
to, for the admission to the circus, which that tells you how old this story is because now it's like $30 for popcorn at the circus, um, but gave him a dollar for his admission. And so he shows up and he's there and he runs all the way there and he gets to there and he realizes there's a crowd down the line of streets, just a huge crowd because there is a parade going on. The circus is coming in, and apparently they did this. They would do a parade, and then after they did the parade, they would do the circus when they reached the arena. But they went to the parade, and they're all lined up, and he's freaking out because he saw a giraffe's head sticking out of this thing. And there's, there's like elephants that are charging, and a lion, and then there's a band, and there's this music playing. And he's never seen anything like this. It was amazing, and the last people to come in were the clowns. And so he saw the last clown, and he went up to the clown, and he said, thank you. And he gave him his dollar. And then he went back home. And he missed the show. He missed the main event. He had no idea what was going on. He had no idea what was just down the street. If he would have followed him to the circus, he had no clue what was going to happen. I think the same thing happens in here on a weekly basis. I think people come and we see the parade. Beautiful songs. They did a great job this morning. They always do a great job. We have a talk where we listen and we learn. And it's a great parade. But some of us walk in and walk out every week missing the main event. And the main event is an encounter with the living God. That is the main event. In a corporate setting, you can encounter a living God. That's why we do what we do. We don't do this for show. We don't care about a parade. What we care about is an encounter with the living God. And you have that opportunity. We have that opportunity every single week. I don't want to miss it. Praise. Praise will transform you. Praise will change you. Praise can even soften the pain that is inside of you and what you're going through. And we don't do it for what we can get out of it. We lift our hands and we lift our voices and we praise vocally, musically, regularly, faithfully, boldly, fearlessly, courageously, completely, and ultimately because of who he is. That's why we praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope we come in every single week and we don't miss the main event. We engage and we connect our hearts to a living God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.